Cheetos for Pastor Stretch. Um, wow, never going to let me down. Uh, we might be done. Uh, we might just sum up uh, what I'm going to share today with you. Uh, but first, before uh, I, I go into some prepared thoughts and remarks, um, is Rose cool or what? Isn't Rose cool? She's so cool. But not as cool as Greg Whitney. <laughs> All right, Rose put me up to it. I think they're both equally cool. Uh, it's certainly an honor to speak with you uh, today. Um, some of you uh, might be thinking, hey, wait, 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 wait. Isn't that guy the one who took away the buoy? That was me. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. For others, especially those new to ENC, you're probably wondering, what's a buoy? Uh, you'll have to ask uh, others for that. Anyway, after accepting uh, Montague's invitation to speak in chapel, lots of ideas bounced around in my mind about what to share. However, hearing uh, Montague speak last week about sharing our stories with one another uh, crystallized for me what I really wanted uh, to share with you today. Namely, I'm going to share my story. Uh, or more specifically, my faith journey into, out of, and back into relationship with the Lord. So I grew up just north of New York City in Westchester County. And for the record, I am a Giants and Yankees fan. Just remember your record in the Super Bowl against the Giants. And 27 rings. You know, I'm just saying. In my early years of preschool, our family attended a local church, Ridgeway Alliance, in White Plains, New York. Uh, but that church attendance soon uh, dwindled until we no longer attended other than major, uh, major Christ Christian holidays. Primary reason we stopped going to church was our involvement in competitive swimming, a, a thought that might be hard to believe now, but at one point was very true. Both my older brother Rob and I started swimming competitively at a very young age. In fact, my first swim meet was at age five. And soon after that, I joined an AAU club called Badger Swim Club. And one of our Olympians this year uh, was a member of that uh, Badger Swim Club. And as my swimming level increased, I spent almost every weekend, all summer and winter, at events throughout the East Coast. The church was no longer part of our lives, even on the weekends that we were uh, in town. <clears throat> However, being a competitive swimmer leaves very little time for the other things of life. Spending between five to eight hours per day in practice uh, every day did not allow for some of the other activities such as youth baseball and basketball. And at age 13, I gave up swimming in order to make room for those other sports, much to the chagrin of my parents, and my mother is here today. Um, welcome her to ENC. <clears throat> However, even this move became part of the Lord's plan for my life. My brother and I had good success in the other sports that we played, and we also found ourselves involved in many other activities, including a pretty robust party scene. By the time I was a freshman in high school, weekend parties were commonplace. But little did I know that that freshman year was going to be such a significant year for me and for my family. Early in that year, my aunt was informed that she had terminal cancer. Uh, as her health declined, my mother decided to bring her to church, even though she was not a follower of Christ, 
That's what you do. When you don't have anything else to do, you go to God, even when you don't know God in a personal way. We all attended, whole family, back at Ridgeway Alliance. Pastor Tom shared a sermon that Sunday that included an altar call. And after the service, my aunt told my mother she really wanted to go forward, but she didn't feel that she had the strength to do so. And my mother, who had not made a commitment at that point to the Lord, told her that she would have carried her there if she had just asked. Within days, my aunt was hospitalized, and my mother and father called Pastor Tom to come visit with her. That evening, my aunt and mother both committed their lives to the Lord. My father, who had accepted the Lord as a child, recommitted his life soon afterwards. And you can imagine, pretty transformative time, exciting time in, in the life of our family. My aunt actually ended up living much longer than expected and shared her story with many family members and friends before she finally succumbed to the cancer. My brother and I noticed the change in my mother and father, but we weren't quite, quite ready to make that change for ourselves. We were enjoying the various accolades and what we at that time thought was fun. And then another event that, that year, my freshman year in high school, a near tragedy occurred. My, near the end of the school year, my brother received a college scholarship to play basketball. After a night of partying, thinking he had slept off the effect of the alcohol at a friend's house, my brother drove his uncovered Jeep into a phone pole. Although the Jeep looked like a sardine can folded in half, my brother escaped with bruising on his stomach, which probably occurred from hitting the steering wheel as he was ejected from the vehicle. The spirit was pushing him hard to get out of, that, out of that Jeep before he had much worse. My brother made an almost immediate decision to follow the Lord. Now, for those of you that are younger siblings, um, we don't often like to admit that we seek the approval of an older brother or sister. But at my age, I'm not ashamed to admit that. Even back then, I knew it was true. I never would admit it. The reason in large part that I stopped swimming at age 13 was because my brother Rob stopped a few months earlier. So as I observed my brother throw himself into relationship with Jesus in an emotional response to the accident, I decided to investigate. I tend to be somewhat analytical, so I wanted to know what this was really all about. Over time, I decided I wanted to commit my life to the Lord as well. However, being relatively unaware uh, of uh, things, um, I, I thought I had to do that in response to an altar call, as, as my brother did. Um, and even though the, the youth pastor tried to convince me otherwise to do it right then in his office, it's perfectly fine. Like, God is, God is personal, right? Jesus made it possible for you to do this. That didn't register. So I asked him to see if Pastor Tom would have an altar call the next Sunday. <laughs> I'm a planner by nature, so... And wouldn't you know it, Pastor Tom had an altar call, even though his sermon that Sunday had nothing to do with salvation. And that day I committed myself to follow Christ. So you're thinking about a nine-month period of time, and we can go beyond that, but just in my own family, my immediate family of my mother, my father, my brother, and I, all deciding to follow the Lord. And some of the changes in my life occurred quickly, but I still struggled in this new life, in this new space. I can remember going to Jones Beach on Long Island with the, with the, youth, uh, with the youth group. <clears throat> I brought my boom box with me. Yes, I had a boom box. Right, right up here, walking along, acting cool. 
And, and for some reason, my youth pastor did not think that the Beastie Boys was an appropriate choice for that, that event. I mean, come on, right? I was actually thinking about that as I, as I heard uh, the song today. I was like, yes, it fits. Maybe not so much. Um, my taste in music then and even now is, is pretty eclectic. Um, nevertheless, my relationship with the Lord grew and the decisions I made continued to reflect the desire to honor the Lord. During the summer, between my junior and senior years in high school, I attended a large youth convention at Colorado State University called Life. At this convention, I made a commitment to serve the Lord in full-time ministry. I expected that to probably be in the area maybe of youth ministry, although that actually wasn't something I was all that excited about because I would have to work with people like myself, um, but really more as a pastor. And so I enrolled at Houghton College, chose to major in Bible and religion with an emphasis in preaching. Um, and uh, I don't want you to be misled, though. Um, I had committed my life to Christ. I made a commitment to do full-time Christian ministry. Um, but there was still a priority uh, shift that had not yet happened. Basketball was still the most important thing in my life. And I was recruited. I had a good high school career, uh, White Plains High School. Uh, recruited to play basketball at Houghton, uh, as well as a number of other schools. But, but I ended up at Houghton. And uh, it was still my top priority, even after a couple of good seasons as a freshman and sophomore. Um, but my life was about to change. <clears throat> the most significant event uh, in my life occurred the second Monday of my junior year in college. Um, I was in study table on Monday night with my team when my coach, Coach Brooks, asked me to come with him. Not always a good thing when your coach pulls you out of something. And then I followed him to my academic advisor's office, which also is typically not a good thing. But I didn't realize why it wasn't a good thing at the time. Dr. Schultz handed me the phone, and my mother informed me that my father had died earlier that day. I crumpled to the floor. Shock, disbelief. What do you mean? How is this possible? I just talked to him last night. Almost 30 years ago, and I still have to carry tissues with me when I talk about that. Well, my immediate concern was for my mother in the days following his death, uh, who forced me to go back to school. I wanted to stay home. I'm going to take care of you, Mom. I'm going to take care of you. She said, no. Your father and I never went to college. The most important thing for your father is to get your degree. Soon afterwards, uh, I became very angry with God. I don't use the word hate very often. I think, again, we've heard that uh, recently, but uh, uh, I hated God. The person who made a commitment to full-time Christian ministry now couldn't stand to think about that. How could it happen? I reverted back to many of the ways that 
I lived before I had made a commitment to Christ. Very poor choices. To the point where I was close to being dismissed from the college. And it was at that point that Coach Brooks stepped in to help rescue me from myself. Coach asked the dean of the college if he could intervene and mentor me, disciple me, rather than having me dismissed. And I moved in with Coach Brooks and his family. We prayed, we studied scripture, and we cried together a lot. I ended up changing my major to physical education in part because I no longer wanted to be a pastor. But also because I saw the influence of my coach in my life and I wanted to do the same thing. I wanted to impact the lives of athletes the way that Coach Brooks impacted mine. In time, as my faith was restored, not a quick process, I started to pursue a career in college coaching. After graduating from Houghton, I started working in admissions and also coaching basketball, a coaching career that lasted 26 years before uh, coming to ENC last summer as the director of athletics. During that time, I met my wife, Bev, uh, and we've been blessed with three children. My understanding of love has grown tremendously as I think about my family. The depth of love I have for Bev and for my children has revealed more about God's love for me and for all of us. When I reflect on the path of my life, there are a number of people that invested in me in ways that simply saying thanks seems insufficient. Coach Brooks has been and continues to be the most important man in my life since the day my father died. So much so that when Bev and I were married, he was one of my groomsmen. It's a little, a little awkward for my other friends who were <laughs> up there with their coach. Uh, but they understood because those were the same men who sat there when I would just start crying as we're watching TV or playing a video game and they didn't leave the room. They didn't have answers for me. They just didn't leave. They stood there as I cried stayed by my side. And so they understood Coach Brooks' influence on my life, even though they probably would have liked to have been able to relax a little more. <laughs> there are other friends and coaching mentors that displayed what it really means to be a follower of Jesus. Um, most of the time they did so without words. They just did so by example. One of my coaching mentors, Coach Paul, pa Paul Patterson, a Hall of Fame coach uh, at Taylor University who recently retired, often would say, the Lord speaks to us and through us in the areas we are most passionate about. For me, that was basketball and athletics. At one time, they were the top priority. But now I think they're more properly balanced in my life as I pursue the Lord's plan. My involvement in basketball as a player and coach have helped inform my life in ways that no other activity has done. Only being a husband and father rival basketball's impact on my spiritual formation and growth as a follower of Christ. So when I arrived at ENC last summer, but even before that, during the interview process, I was so impressed by the people I met. But of all the groups I met with, the students made the largest impression. 
However, I was also disappointed by a feeling that we lacked the proper level of pride in ENC, not just in athletics, but more broadly. Perhaps it's difficult to recognize or believe this at times, so let me say it as someone has been at other colleges. This school is special. Those of you that were here last year undoubtedly remember receiving a Lion's Den t-shirt. I see one right up here, maybe there are others. Let me explain why athletics decided to partner with SGA and the Student Athlete Advisor Committee on providing those shirts to every student and employee. The Lions Den is not just a cheering section at ENC games, although it is that as well. That is too small of a vision for ENC. The Lions Den exists wherever we happen to come together, whether it be a group of students practicing for a play or a musical in the Cove, or the faculty convening to discuss ways to make the educational experience better for students, or a discipleship group meeting on a dorm floor, or even a group of us walking down to Hancock Street to grab a cup of coffee at Dunkin' Donuts. All of those are also the lion's den. Don't get me wrong, I want all of our students and all of our employees and all of our area uh, supporters of, of the college to come see all of our athletic teams and hopefully do so, support those teams in ways that bring honor and glory to the Lord. But the same is true of the other areas of our campus. Celebrating each person's gifts as they express the areas of passion where the Lord is speaking to and through them is how we can show the kind of pride in ENC and love for one another that will set us apart from all other campuses. So when we distribute the new Lion's Den shirts in a couple of weeks, Wear them with pride, knowing you as an individual are an important part of something bigger and more special than any one person or activity. All right, let me jump off of that soapbox. I had to get it in there, but I want to get back to some final thoughts that connect all of this to where my passion lies as a director of athletics. In my final thoughts, I want to share a passage that has helped me to understand God's character and love for us. I was first introduced to this uh, passage of significance when reading one of Max Lucado's books. And in Mark 16, 1 through 7, we read, When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, Who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him, but go... Tell his disciples and Peter. He is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. You remember Peter? You remember some of the things? Like walking on water? Uh, Witness the transfiguration? Like, you know, pretty big events in the life of the guy. Um... But there was also a major event that occurred actually more than once, but three times, when he denied Christ prior to his crucifixion. 
So why did the man in the tomb specifically include Peter in his instructions to tell the disciples? Wouldn't telling the disciples have been enough since Peter was one of them? What we see in these two words is that we follow a God of second chances. As Pastor Stress shared on Sunday here at this pulpit, God offers us mulligans and as many as we need. Peter, of all the disciples, needed to know that he was forgiven and he was loved. In my life, I've experienced this firsthand. The Lord has repeatedly said, and Brad, and Brad, and Brad. In my times of unfaithfulness, God was always faithful. When I was pulling away, he never stopped reaching out to me. He never has wavered in his love for me, even when I rejected him. It took a long time for me to understand this, but I now know this to be true. I made a commitment to serve the Lord in full-time Christian ministry as a 17-year-old. And even though that commitment wavered and was challenged, I know that 28 years now of work so far as a coach and athletic administrator have fulfilled that calling. My congregation is not in a church. It just happens to be students with a special emphasis on student-athletes. Thank you so much for listening to my story and how the Lord continues to allow me to connect my passion to help build his kingdom.